Welcome to another episode of the Bible Podcast. Before we get into our reading today, I wanted to start off with a quick prayer. Merciful Jesus, you are our guide, the joy of our heart, the author of our hope, and the object of our love. We come seeking refreshment and peace. Show us your mercy. Relieve our fears and anxieties and grant us a quiet mind and an expectant heart. That by the assurance of your presence, we may learn to abide in you. Who is our Lord and our God. Amen. So today we're going to be covering chapters 4 through 6 of Exodus. And we'll get right into chapter 4. Signs of the Lord's power. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked them, What is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, and the Lord told them. So Moses threw down the staff, and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, Reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back into your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, it was healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, If they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you even after these two signs then take some water from the Nile River and pour it on the ground pour it out on the dry ground when you do the water from the Nile will turn to blood in the ground but Moses pleaded with the Lord oh Lord I'm not very good with words I've never been and I'm not now even though you have spoken to me I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled then the Lord asked Moses Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what you say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you, talk to him, and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. 
Moses returns to Egypt. So Moses went back home to Jethro, his father-in-law. Please let me return my relatives in Egypt, Moses said. I don't even know if they are still alive. Go in peace, Jethro replied. Before Moses left Midian, the Lord said to him, Return to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you have died. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and headed back to the land of Egypt. In his hand he carried the staff of God. And the Lord told Moses, When you arrive back in Egypt, go to Pharaoh and perform all the, all the miracles I have empowered you to do. But I will harden his heart, so he will refuse to let the people go. Then you will tell him, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. I commanded you, let my son go so he can worship me. But since you have refused, I will now kill your firstborn son. On the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. But Moses' wife, Zipporah, took a flint knife and circumcised her son. So she touched his feet with the foreskin and said, Now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. After that, the Lord left him alone. Now the Lord had said to Aaron, Go out into the wilderness to meet Moses. So Aaron went and met Moses at the mountain of God, and he embraced him. Moses then told Aaron everything the Lord had commanded him to say, and he told him about the miraculous sign the Lord had commanded him to perform. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses, and Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. So in cha- here in chapter 4, we see the series of miracles that God gave to Moses and the Israelites to bolster their faith in Moses' message and mission. God does not normally use such wondrous signs to strengthen our faith, but He has performed one miracle that should give us all the encouragement we need. He raised Jesus Christ from the dead, showing that he is no slave to the destruction of sin and death. This miracle should give us, should give all of us faith in God's promises and hope in the good news he offers. In verses 10 through 12, Moses may have had a speech impediment, but that wasn't a legitimate excuse for not following God's plan. He didn't have an accurate perception of who he could become with God's help. While Moses was engaging in a kind of self-examination, he was doing so with a negative, fearful attitude. He was not yet willing to be changed by God. Our weaknesses should never be an excuse to avoid spiritual renewal. With God's help, anything is possible. We need to realize that God can capitalize on our strengths, helping us reach our full potential. Next, in verses 13 through 17, Moses here tried desperately to escape God's call for his life. 
He didn't want to go back to Egypt as God's spokesman. Apparently, he was afraid to face the huge responsibility that this entailed. But God held Moses accountable to his divine plan. He laid out for Moses exactly how the mission in Egypt would be accomplished. Despite Moses' presumed handicap, God has a special plan for each of us. If we follow him, he will bring it to pass no matter what our weaknesses are. Chapter 5, Moses and Aaron speak to Pharaoh. After this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. They told them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. Is that so? retorted Pharaoh. And who is the Lord? Why would I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. But Aaron and Moses persisted. The God of the Hebrews has met with us. They declared, So let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. If we don't, he will kill us with a plague or with the sword. Pharaoh replied, Moses and Aaron, why are you distracting the people from their tasks? Get back to work. Look, there are many of your people in the land and you are stopping them from their work. Making bricks without straw. The same day, Pharaoh sent this order to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foremen. Do not supply any more straw for making bricks. Make the people get it themselves, but still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That's why they are crying out. Let us go and offer sacrifices to our God. Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That will teach them to listen to lies. So the slave drivers and foremen went out and told the people, This is what Pharaoh says. I will not provide any more straw for you. Go and get it yourselves. Find it wherever you can. But you must produce just as many bricks as before. So the people scattered through the land of Egypt in search of stubble to use as straw. Meanwhile, the Egyptian slave drivers continued to push hard. Meet your daily quota of bricks just as you did when we provided you with straw, they demanded. Then they whipped the Israelite foremen they had put in charge of the work crews. Why haven't you met your quotas either yesterday or today, they demanded. So the Israelite foremen went to Pharaoh and pleaded with him. Please don't treat your servants like this, they begged. We are given no straw, but the slave drivers still are given. The slave drivers still demand, make bricks. We are being beaten, but it is our fault. Your own people are to blame. But Pharaoh shouted, you are just lazy. Lazy. That's why you're saying, let us go and offer sacrifices to the Lord. Now get back to work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still produce the full quota of bricks. The Israelite foremen could see that they were in serious trouble when they were told 
You must not reduce the number of bricks you make each day. As they left Pharaoh's court, they confronted Moses and Aaron, who were waiting outside for them. The foreman said to them, May the Lord... judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You have put a sword into their hands, an excuse to kill us. Then Moses went back to the Lord and protested, Why have you brought all these, all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people, and you have done nothing to rescue them. Here we see Moses and Aaron. Uh, Moses and Aaron approached the elders of Israel with God's message. This alone took a great deal of courage. But by taking the chance, they were able to encourage the elders to seek freedom from the Egyptians. In an even greater step of courage, they confronted Pharaoh, demanding that things he set straight. God's word to Moses and Aaron gave them the courage to act on behalf of others. Their courage also sparked courage in others, which in turn helped them take another step. Courage begets courage. Our own spiritual renewal, if properly shared, will inspire others to move forward as well. This, in turn, will strengthen us to move ahead even further. In verses 3 through 9, Pharaoh refused to see God and surrendered to him. He refused to see the truth. He had no respect for the law of God or the people of God. He failed to respond properly when he was honestly confronted about the way he was treating the Israelites. He became upset when Moses sought freedom for God's people. Instead of examining himself, Pharaoh then accused the Israelites of being lazy and demanded even more of them. We can learn from Pharaoh's bad example. When we are confronted with our sin, we must honestly assess our spiritual state and ask God to change us. Becoming hard-hearted and choosing to blame others will only make things worse. Then in verses 10 through 21, we see the Israelite foremen, they needed to understand how difficult the process toward their freedom would be. They were deeply discouraged by Pharaoh's additional demands because they had unrealistic hopes of an immediate and painless deliverance. They also became disillusioned about the leadership abilities of Moses and Aaron. They needed wisdom to see their troubles from a long-term perspective. These were only the first steps on the road to freedom a road which proved long and difficult. There are few, if any, immediate and painless paths to freedom. If we realize this, we will find the difficulties we face less discouraging. And finally, in 
verse 22 and 23, we see Moses pray to God with perplexed honesty. He faced a real problem. In following God's plan for freeing Israel, the people were encountering increased suffering. Moses, however, did not yet realize that God was preparing to force Pharaoh to let Israel go. God had not failed the test of trustworthiness. Freedom is often a lengthy process, and we need to recognize this as we seek spiritual growth. If we do, we will be less likely to be discouraged by the obstacles we face along the way. Chapter 6 Promises of Deliverance Then the Lord told Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave this land. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. And I reaffirmed my covenant with them under its terms. I promised to give them the land of Canaan, where they were living as foreigners. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel, who are now slaves to the Egyptians, and I am well aware of my covenant with them. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Egypt, and Jacob. I still give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, but they refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go back to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and tell him to let the people of Israel leave his country. But Lord, Moses objected, My own people won't listen to me anymore. How can I expect Pharaoh to listen? I'm such a clumsy speaker. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them orders for the Israelites and for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord commanded Moses and Aaron to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. This last passage of uh, chapter 6 basically just talks about the ancestors of Moses and Aaron and just lists them out. Um, So we'll skip over that and that finishes uh, chapter 6. In uh, verses 8 through 13, when we fail to realize how difficult the process toward freedom can be, it is all too easy to become discouraged and give up. After suffering a number of setbacks, the Israelites were ready to give up. 
At such times, patience and perseverance are absolutely essential. We also need to remember that difficulties and failures are often the back door to ultimate success. In verses 14 through 27, to a great extent, Moses and Aaron were the product of their family heritage. Sketched briefly in the genealogy included in uh, chapter 6, 14 through 25. Now they face difficult opposition to their goal of freeing the Israelites. But out of their past came signs of hope, strengthening their courage to continue their quest for freedom. For example, God had promised Abraham and his descendants a land of their own, free from oppression. God's promises from the past gave Moses and Aaron the encouragement they needed to continue their fight for freedom. God's promises can do the same for us today. In uh, verses 28-30, once again we are reminded of God's insistence that Moses respond in faith. Despite his fears and his perceived speech problem, in the process of the exodus, God repeatedly challenged Moses' personal insecurities and his negative, self-defeating attitudes by reminding Moses of God's name and his miraculous power. Faith in a trustworthy God has the solution to this problem was the solution to this problem. Trusting God with our problems and insecurities and releasing them to Him is a key to spiritual growth. So today, God gives Moses some signs he can use to prove himself in Egypt. But Moses gives more excuses and rebuttals. He has some good points, but God is unmoved. God patiently responds to each of his concerns, never hedging on his plan. Despite the fact that Moses is completely ill-suited for this calling, Exhibit A, when Moses throws the staff on the ground and it becomes a snake, he runs from it. The guy who was afraid of a reptile probably shouldn't go toe-to-toe with the dictator. But God reassures him, not with the promise that everything will go perfectly, but with these words, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. I will send a helper. Chapter 4, verse 12 and 14. Moses doubts himself, but God reminds him whom he's talking to. Questioning God's calling is an insult to the God who made him. All of, it, all of Moses' excuses are identity issues, given the environment he grew up in. It'd be shocking if he didn't have identity issues. At this point, it doesn't seem like he really knows or believes God which means he can't really know who he is either. God gets angry at his final excuse because his hesitation is an affront to God's wisdom in calling him. 
His fears and insecurities are an attack on God's character, but God doesn't lean into it, this offense. He leans into patience and compassion. He provides for Aaron, Moses' older brother, to go with him. But God does not promise an easy journey. He tells Moses, you're going to ask Pharaoh for something, and I'm going to harden his heart so that he says no. That's a rough assignment. But yesterday, God promised he'd compel Pharaoh to submit eventually. On the way to Egypt, God gets angry and seeks to kill someone. But it's unclear who or why. Most scholars believe the reason for God's anger is that Moses' son, Gershom, hasn't been circumcised. And most think God's anger is directed towards Moses. Not circumcising his son is a, vol- is a violation of the covenant. And this is especially important given that Gershom is about to be in the midst of a powerful enemy culture. He must be set apart, so Zipporah, to the rescue. She circumcises Gershom, then touches the foreskin to Moses' feet. But one caveat. The Hebrew word for feet is occasionally used as a euphemism for genitals. By the way... If it was Moses God sought to kill, then this is the second time his life has been saved through the help of a woman. And if it was Gershom God sought to kill, then this is an interesting foreshadowing of killing the firstborn son of those who don't live under God's protective covering. More on that in the days ahead. God sends Moses' older brother Aaron to help him. In Egypt, Aaron gives a speech to the Israelites. Moses demonstrates the signs from God, and the people are thrilled. But when Moses and Aaron approach Pharaoh, he denies their request. So they ask again. This time, he not only says no, but cracks down even harder on the Israelite slaves, who blame Moses for it. Moses obeys God's commands, but things get worse. God has Moses tell the Israelites about his promises, but they don't believe him. Their short-lived enthusiasm was crushed by the increased workload. Life is too hard for them to be hopeful. Moses is connected to the to this people, and we see it in the genealogy. After scripture makes this connection, Moses doesn't doubt God's power anymore. He begins to find confidence and freedom in God, despite his shortcomings. God shows compassion in his response to a hesitant, doubtful Moses. God knows his story. He knows his brokenness. Later, we see God's compassion again when Moses goes back to the Israelites the second time. After their workload has been increased and their former excitement has turned to despair, they can't muster any kind of faith on their own. Heartache and oppression have stolen their ability to hope and trust in the words of God. He knows they have no strength to fight, so he sends someone to fight for them. He sends someone who has received his compassion, who can demonstrate it to them. He sends a conduit of hope and freedom to people who are hopeless and have never known freedom. He's compassionate. He's attentive. And he's where the joy is.
That concludes our reading today. I'm just going to leave you all off with a daily devotional. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Heaven's bells continually peal with the promise of my presence. Some people never hear those bells because their minds are earthbound and their hearts are closed to me. Others hear the bells only once or twice in their lifetimes, in rare moments of seeking me above all else. My desire is that my sheep hear my voice continually, for I am the ever-present shepherd. Quietness is the classroom where you learn to hear my voice. Beginners need a quiet place in order to still their minds. As you advance in this discipline, you gradually learn to carry the stillness with you wherever you go. When you step back into the mainstream of life, strain to hear those glorious bells. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Amen. Thank you all for listening to the podcast today. Hope you all have a great day and God bless each and every one of you.